0: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. All of our episodes are available on most streaming platforms. Just search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. You can also check us out on our social media pages, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest episodes and up-to-date Chiefs news. Unfortunately, speaking of Facebook, um, as of June third, they are actually um, getting rid of their podcast platform. So any of our new episodes or existing episodes will still be on there t- until then. But after that, they are going away. So it's it's kind of unfortunate, but they um, I guess they decided to uh, branch off and not do the whole podcasting thing anymore. So um, anybody listening, you guys can still. Um, listen to our episodes all the way up until june 3rd Then after that um you could just follow our links on our posts or uh, like i said um uh, just a moment ago any any place um for that streams uh most podcasts all right so um other than that um rich so obviously we are now a week out from uh the conclusion of the 2022 nfl draft that took place in las vegas um I will have to ask first, though, um, because I know we'll actually dive into the actual draft that happened. But you pretty much looking forward to the draft next year in Kansas City and counting down the days of it being here.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that's like kind of my Super Bowl, right? Aside from the actual event itself, um, you know. So to get to experience the draft locally is going to be awesome. Hopefully, uh, you know, whether it's through season tickets or whatever way I can attend. you know, I know those events aren't, you know, they're, they're not going to host 50,000 people, right? Because unless it's at Arrowhead, there's no other location in the city that can hold that many. But uh, yeah, if it's like 10,000 or something like that, and obviously X amount are only Chiefs fans, hope I'm one of the lucky ones that can uh, get there.
0: Yeah, because it's going to be interesting um, how it's going to be set up. I mean, if no one really knows, this, it's actually going to be set up uh, at Union Station um, for um, the whole draft. Uh, there for all three days the only interesting thing is obviously you'll have you know the people that you get up close towards the stage and then you might have what are you probably thinking more people like on the grass area like kind of in front or um you know how that's going to be because and I, <laughs> I was talking to my dad about that i was like well shoot you know if we go i'm not going to be one of the ones that are standing way in the back just standing the whole time you know it's like it's if you're not close you might as well just like stay at home right
1: yeah that's one where I like you said right. I would assume it's on the grass setup is where most people would be because even in the street. And you think about let's say all the previous drafts and locations like that. I mean, you can't really. That's the thing that's weird. It's like let's say you turn see, but then you're stopping this. Yeah, I don't mean man because let if you turn it, if you make it to like the side of Union Station and you basically use that bridge that leads like right into Union Station and Crown Center, and use that entire street to host people or to. House people, I said host. Right. Then you won't. It won't be as you won't be on grass like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I don't know. That it's just gonna be. It's gonna be very interesting. I mean, I'm sure they've obviously thought about this and they've already probably figured it out. So yeah, it'll just be interesting. But like you said, it's I want to be up close as possible, ideally in the covered part. Mm -hmm, Right. um, Correct. Because if if you know, I mean, I'm sure our weather will be the same next year. Um, It'll either be raining or some kind of cold or some kind of wind.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I kind of would, you know, if you're, especially if you're on the hill, like, you know, kind of like where we were at the parade, where like if you weren't the first ones there and down there below before the hill and you're up there on top of the hill, like looking onto the stage, I mean, you're pretty far away from, um, at least that's where I think they'll have it kind of like right in that same area, right? But like, it seems like you're pretty far away from there. So it's like, well, if you don't get something semi-close to where, you're kind of underneath the overhang area for it. It's almost like, well, you probably have a better chance of everything seeing it better from home, right, than it would be there. But I'm at least excited to see what the – like how the setup is going to be and all that. But I am definitely looking forward to that for sure. All right, so moving on to the NFL draft for 2022, as we would say, it was a little bit over a week after the draft. Um, And the Chiefs came into the draft having – 13 picks and how we all know how a draft night goes. Normally some, some kind of trades happen. Uh, not every team either, you know, trades or has obviously the same amount of picks as other teams do, or some teams don't even have, um, you know, picks even for even uh, the first round or night one, you should say. So the chiefs go into it with 13 picks um, and we'll go through, break down each uh, pick by pick round by round. Um, we actually ended up with only 10 picks. Um, And basically what I'll do is I'll I'll kind of call out the um, the player, the position, um, and the um, college they went to, and then uh, Rich will break down each one um, of the picks. So starting off, obviously moving into day one, or you should say night one, however you want to say it, round one, um, we had picks 29 and 30. Well, um, came to number 21, where that's where we moved up to, uh, in a trade with New England uh, gave them their uh, gave them our 29th pick i believe also our 94th overall pick in then uh, in the third round and also the 121st pick in the round four uh, to move up to that 21st spot so with that 21st pick um, in the first round we took uh cornerback Trent McDuffie from Washington so what are your thoughts on that one rich?
1: Um, initially, I was surprised because I will say that, you know, after Derrick Singley and Sauce Gardner, I think there's a there's definitely a drop-off, even though, let's say, some of the ratings say McDuffie was the best corner in this draft overall, you know, factoring health, performance, who we played against. Um, him being 5'11", um, I know one to two inches difference may not seem like a lot uh, from a high perspective, but his arms are also... Shorter than that ideal elite quarterback, cornerback um, measurement, which is 33 and a half. That's like where you want your cornerbacks arms to be from a pure stats. Now, at the end of the day, those are just numbers. And when you watch the tape, the guy can play. So, again, I was like, we, we moved up for a shorter corner, which again, right, shorter 5'11". That's he's an inch off being six feet tall. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's just repeating what other people say. But yeah, he's a baller, man. He can play. He's good at cover. He's, he's good at man coverage. He's good at zone. So once I kind of took the the shock, the surprise um, feeling away, I was like, man, that's a, that's a heck of a good pick. That is technically a probably top 15, top 20 pick that we got at a position um, arguably of our biggest need. And we ended up getting it. And then he only gave up what, what was it? A fourth round pick.
0: Basically to uh, a third and a fourth. Just yeah. In, oh, yeah, but, yeah. A
1: third as well. So I liked it. So overall for me, that was one where, like I said, once I understood the logic behind it, I'm like, man, that that's a home run. And I think cheese fans will love the kid. Um, you know, there's pr- plenty of stuff out there on YouTube about some tragedy that happened and how he's he's gone through a lot for his age. So he's a very mature individual, and he's just a clean-cut dude. So um, I think it, it was a home run overall by Veach and stuff.
0: So do you think he's a day one starter? I
1: don't see a way that he's not. Um, he has to be terrible, right? Now, of course, sometimes the Chiefs are all about, like, easing those rookies into it. Um, now, when I think about it, of course, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, I think that's that was a little bit different because those guys, I mean, they were light years better than anything there. Um, but, yeah, so, so if I were to say is he starting week one, I think he has to. Because, let's say, Fenton is a slot corner, even though McDuffie can play that that slot role as well. I think uh, Trent will stay on one side, LeJaris will stay on the other. Or who knows, right? They might even just switch all three of them around. Because technically, all three, as in Fenton, McDuffie, and Snead, can move everywhere and almost play any of the corner spots. So, I think that's an asset. Um, And then, I just want to remind folks, right? Corners, they can cover a dude, What? 15 targets perfectly and then get burned once. And we already claim that they suck. So that's true. Um, you know, we got to be reasonable with that and understand that cornerback is arguably the third hardest position to play in the NFL after quarterback and tackle. So, um, yeah, I think Trey McDuffie should be within our starting three cornerback rotation by week one.
0: All right. Yeah. Solid review. Now, I, I definitely thought about that too. I thought, obviously, you're moving up um eight spots for the pick that you had um to come up and uh, get him at 21 he's definitely got to be something uh some kind of uh you know instant starter for your uh for us based on our defense side so i thought that was um a good move uh, for sure getting him all right and our so our next pick um was at our second pick we had are oh, still in the round one with was uh number 30 overall and we picked up george karloftis Uh, As a defensive end from Purdue, what are your thoughts on that pick? So this
1: guy is somebody that I, in some of the mocks that I did, um, I didn't pick him because I'm like, realistically, he won't ever be there. He won't be there at, you know, either of our picks. Um, So whenever we got him, I was like, man, I like this guy because another high character, just an overall good kid, born in Greece, uh, moved here when he was around like 10, 12, somewhere between 10 and 13. But the kid plays with a motor. He's not the fa- – I mean, think of him like a I, – I always make comparisons to really big names, right, because you don't really make comparisons to kind of average players. But he's got that J.J. Watt type motor. Um, he's a bigger defensive end. Um, but he's just relentless in his pursuit. He's almost like Jared Allen, right? Now, Jared Allen was a great hand technician, could rush the passer, rush the passer really, really well. Um, so I think with George Galatis, I loved – the pick. I didn't think we'd get him. So both of these guys, I didn't think, and from what Brett Veach said, he didn't think either of them would be there. So for us to get two guys that they were really high on is awesome. And like, I really like the pick. Um, I think Chiefs fans will really like um, not only seeing an, another number 56 on the field doing well, but um, he'll be productive. And I think he can rush the passer, pass. I keep saying rush and passer. (laughs) Right back, to back. So I think the Chiefs fans will just, like I said, really like his off the field personality. And then obviously what he does on the field for us will be nice.
0: And not only um, does it fill the need of obviously we need a defensive end with um, obviously with uh, Frank Clark on one side and Melvin Ingram, who we, he's not a, he's not a Chiefs player at the moment, but if no one signs him by was it July something, I think twenty-third or whatnot, then he I think he obviously comes a chief. But um just because we had that gap there and not only to fill um that position, but also, you know, cornerback as well. So like two basically like filling needs there in the first two picks of the first round. I thought that was a hit on for uh Veach. And now and kind of like what you were saying too as well. Like both these players um obviously could have went way earlier than they did. Um, so they're obviously, I think they were both steel picks there on the first round for both of those guys. Um, but yeah, as far as Coloftis uh, himself, um, you know, definitely looking forward to see what he brings to a defensive end, which obviously we've been kind of struggling, um, you know, as of late there on that position. So um, he definitely, you know, helps, um, you know, hopefully improve on that end for um, the defensive side. All right, so then uh, come to round two, because this is the end of, that was the end of round one which is only one night um, and then you have day two which is round two and, and round three uh, coming in the round two we have our first pick at number 50 uh, but once number 50 came um that's when we traded with new england again this time new england moving up um to number 50 and we dropped back to number 54 and we also ended up getting number 158 which is a fifth round pick out of that too as well so once we drop back four spots, uh, we end up taking Sky Moore, wide receiver from Western Michigan. What are your thoughts on that pick?
1: Yeah, so remember in the, the pre-draft offensive prospect episodes, me uh, as a guy that I had just started watching because I had heard a ton of good things about him. And, man, I, I really liked what I saw on tape. Very explosive off the line. Um, you know, 5'11", 5'10", 5'11". Um, so definitely on, on the – shorter wide receiver spectrum, but like I said, very explosive, good at creating separation, has good hands, is a hands catcher, um, meaning he actually puts his hands out there to catch the ball, um, and, and just overall plays a little bit bigger than what he is, uh, and that's something that, you know, we have our speedster in McColl, um, but sometimes in McColl, in traffic or in situations where contact is coming, he might pull out, so, um, you know, to to draft another wide receiver, that can almost do the exact same thing as McColt to not only push him to be better, but potentially even take over that role. I think was a good pick. Some people even had him projected late round one, um, especially when he went um, with Green Bay. I thought he was going to end up going in one of those spots, but of course they continued their no wide receiver selections. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, Scott, Sky Morrow getting him in that second round um, I think was another great value pick that, the Chiefs almost couldn't pass up, even though they traded back.
0: And and so when the Chiefs picked this pick, I was kind of unsure because I didn't know a whole lot about the guy. And then obviously, um, you know, playing at Western Michigan, I just didn't do a lot of, um, you know, research on him, at least before on the draft, or I was just kind of going off what you guys were saying in the chat and kind of what you you know, you just mentioned too, as well. Um, and then it kind of, you know, found out more about this guy. And it sounds like another another steal, right? I mean, we're only talking about three picks, but it seems like it's another steal guy. This guy was uh, what he led the uh, uh, led major college receivers last season in catches with 23 catches and 433 yards on slant routes um, last year. So, um, very interesting. Like I said, I think he'll definitely probably fill that role for, uh, or at least comp, you know, uh, comp for uh, McCole Hardman, um, you know, that kind of that slot receiver. But uh, I, I definitely think that's a, it's going to end up being a good pick for the Chiefs. Um, they're just adding more uh, depth to their wide receiver core. All right, so then our second pick in the second round uh, came to number 62, which we took Brian Cook, safety out of Cincinnati. Uh, your thoughts on that pick? So
1: I didn't know much aside from his name, you know, on mock drafts. And when I would uh, do a draft process on Madden, but uh, man, this kid is violent. Man, he's like he's rangy, meaning he can cover a lot of field. Um, I know his forty time wasn't the greatest, but he can move. Well, I think his forty time wasn't the greatest. So I'd have to look it up real quick. If I'm not mistaken, he ran like a four six. It wasn't he's the, the greatest, yeah. Ray, he's a safety. He's not supposed to be cornerback um, fast. I like his range, as in what he covers. He seems like he's a very smart kid. He's violent. He likes to hit. Um, but he's not like a Jonathan Abram from the Raiders where he just hits anything, including his teammates and knocks himself out. It's a smart, <laughs> you know, a smart tackler. Um, and I saw him cover some in the slot. So he could maybe fill a little bit of that role that Tyron Matthew used to do with more height, more power, more youth. So hopefully his legs would be fresher. And then that way leaves Thornhill and Reed playing deep free safety, um, so, yeah, again, it, it's just part of a very versatile defense that the Chiefs are slowly moving to, getting younger, faster, you know, in a way stronger. So this was also a guy that a lot of people said the Chiefs getting him where they got him is a big, big steal. Um, some people had him going at the late round one, being one of the top safeties, if not the top safety. So, again, another steal. Now, kind of the mention with all these guys, there, you know, you could always say that I mean, there was a reason why they were passed up and, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So who knows? Right. I mean, it could be that, you know, Beach is the sucker that got the bad deal. (laughs) But um, I think where these guys are drafted and just what I've seen in the environment they come in man, like Brian Cook has the ability as the last three we've talked about to come in and make an immediate impact.
0: Good point, and also as you were saying, because he could kind of play a little bit of that cornerback, that nickel spot that Tyron Matthew plays. It seems like he could be kind of like a hybrid, um, as far as like you know, kind of mentioning that playing that role, um, also playing safety as well. So moving him around in that secondary will be kind of flexible, uh, because not only you know he's only just the the second guy we've talked about in the secondary. We'll have a couple more we'll mention here in a little bit that we draft, but we really uh, decided to go after that secondary, um, you know, the secondary position that was kind of one of our weaknesses, just kind of like we did, you know, was it the last season, you know, with offensive line. So it's kind of like we really attacked that main position too as well. So um, for, uh, you know, to draft someone like Brian Cook, which one of the things I loved about him, which you mentioned is he hits hard. Like he, he might not be the fastest guy, but he hits hard. Uh, And that's one of the love thing, uh, the one of the things I love about this guy. So, Can't look for uh, waiting to see this guy play um, and definitely see where he fits on that secondary um, for the Chiefs. So, going into round three, we did have two uh, round three picks, but since uh, obviously we traded one of them to the Patriots, we only ended up having one. Um, So, the only one that we still had left was number 103, and we selected Leo Chanel, linebacker from Wisconsin. What are your thoughts on that, Rich?
1: So that's another guy that I knew the name. I had seen him a ton of times on on mock drafts, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, don't know – didn't know much about him. So I spent a lot of time watching everything I could on YouTube about him. Highlights, to versus films, you know, the you know, Wisconsin defense versus Michigan State offense, so, forth, um, so on and so forth. And he's one where I get why people are so hyped about him, um, his attitude. Um, Wisconsin always has guys that are just like high character and just love football. Like it's the way that they recruit, right? Are, are high character, high IQ football players. Um, now people have mentioned that he's like really fast and, and, you know, loves to hit as a linebacker that loves contact. And in one of his draft interviews, that's, that's what he said, or post draft interviews. That's what he said is that he loves to hit. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, it's a, it's a third round pick. So, you know, do I expect a long-term starter potentially, but am I that hyped on him as maybe others no um i think he's one where i do have to watch him a lot more but i again right i see why everyone is so hyped on him because he's he's athletic and he likes to hit and that's what you want in a modern day linebacker speed and um likes to hit because you can't really be a linebacker if you don't like to hit
0: so wasn't this the guy and the big thing that came out about him i believe if if you guys if no one heard about this was he was rated like the number 3 linebacker uh for like what in the last 20 years with a 99 over 100 rating or something like that um which i it's like sometimes you can't really look into um how you know some of these players are rated i mean i know obviously is from uh pro football focus and they they pretty much do a lot of statistics for different things that a lot of other um you know rating places do but um and like you said, he's a round three guy. If he was, if he was really off the charts like that, he probably would have been top ten. I mean, let's, let's believe it or not, he would, would have been like that. So, yeah. So, I, so sometimes you got to kind of like not look into the hype so much on some of these posts that you see, um, you know, around social media and the internet. But um, as, as far as what I agree with you is, could he be a starter eventually? I think potentially. I mean, obviously on this team, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton's is, is the hands-on starters. He might. Eventually rotate in and out with Jermaine Carter, um, as that third down linebacker when they right. put three linebackers in there. But most likely, he probably will start on special teams just because of being a rookie and maybe, you know, but, um, you know, we'll see what happens with him. But I'm, I'm excited to see how he develops, I will say.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and again, right. Kind of reiterating what I said earlier about like, I think he has all the physical tools, and I'm not saying he's a bust at all. I just, he's one that he has to, um, Make that transition appropriately into the NFL. Like, I'm not just as hyped as everyone is. Like, I'm not down on him either, right? But, you know, some people are like, like you said, right? He was a third best line, uh, ranked linebacker. So, um, you know, when you're a third round pick, I mean, the sky is the limit with what you can do because, you know, there's a lot of them that never um, really pan out or really don't do much. And then they're, if you do, great. You don't have that first round stigma that, you know, or that's, that first round pressure that, those guys get so um without a doubt um and I think he's wearing our uh, favorite number 49 right
0: correct he is So
1: the good thing is the bar has been set very low on the number of comparison
0: that is very true yeah <laughs> I, I would like to point out though he is one of, the, out of all the guys we had in this draft he's one of the ones that I'm most intrigued on watching uh and what, I'm, yep. what I mean by that I mean like training camp and all that
1: I know we've got a new 56 right and George Carter
0: We do. We have
1: a new 49. And when I said earlier about new 56, I was referring to Derek Johnson, not Ben Neiman. So just clarifying that piece.
0: (laughs) For sure. All right. So um, heading into round four, once again, we started the day, um, well, day two with, actually, I'm sorry, started the draft with two uh, round four picks, but uh, we ended up only having one because... We ended up trading that uh the trade with New England for day one and moving up to twenty-one in the first round. So um the only pick we have in round four um was number hundred and thirty-five, which we selected Joshua Williams, cornerback from Fayetteville State. And what are your thoughts on that, Rich?
1: Man, so again, right, I saw the name. That's kind of all I knew about him. Um, because I mean, to be a to to be a guy that knows about a hundred and you know, a hundred 30 to 100 to, let's say 130 plus names mm-hmm. and prospects. Oh yeah, it's, it's a full-time job, right? So, but after watching him, man, like I really like this dude. He's he's a long corner, can move, athletic, agile, um, you know, not scared of contact, uh, you know, will we'll come up to any runner with the ball or a pass catcher and, you know, literally bring them down as you, like as if he was a safety. So like everything about his game now, obviously, I understand he played at a, at a lower level, right, in the Division Two setup. Um, but, you know, you when you're a team like the Chiefs, you can take risks on talent, right? That's what Nick Saban does at Alabama, and I understand he gets the high-level recruits. But he can also just take a raw guy um, that was a three-star prospect that has crazy athleticism and teach him up. So um, we did lose Sam Madison to Miami, right, who was our cornerback's coach. And I think he did an amazing job with Snead, Award, Fenton. I mean, they were all guys that have come in and really grown according to their draft spot, right? So um, that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But I like everything about this pick, with it being a fourth-rounder, could potentially become a, a starter. And I think he will turn a lot of heads in not only training camp, but um, you know, as we see whatever kind of preseason setup there is this year, because I don't even know how many games there are anymore. Um, but what will happen in the regular season, I think he'll be like number five, six, you know, maybe get some sparing, you know, some some time every now and then. But um I don't expect him to break into the uh starting line, starting three rotation, you know, anytime this year.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And also I, I didn't know a whole lot about um him as well. I mean obviously in, I think in one of my mock drafts I picked him quite a bit, uh, for we, we had four seven round picks and he had always been there for, um, there in the seventh round. So not, not obviously that was just with, you know, one site. So it obviously doesn't say anything that he would be in the seventh round, you know, in real life or anything like that, but it just seemed like he always fall for those mocks there. So, uh, but it seemed like he, for what I was reading on, you know, at least he could have went five or six and we end up taking him at, uh, round four. So it could be, um, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it really of a reach. Um, he's he could be kind of more of a project player uh, to me, but I don't, I just don't know as far as how much he'll make that playing time this year. Obviously, probably, definitely starting out like um, Chanel, probably on special teams. Um, definitely, may I think he'll definitely make the roster. Obviously, but what sure. will end up being the fourth or fifth cornerback. Will probably be around that that uh, area as well. But uh, no, I mean. Definitely still more to see about him, and I can't wait to see what he does um, in training camp preseason to get a little more um, look on him, especially coming from a Division II school, too, as well. So uh, definitely need some extra time probably to develop. So this is where it gets a little bit tricky because, um, obviously, this is where some other trades come into play. So when you didn't think the Chiefs would trade one time, two times, they traded three times. So – um, the next pick really starting out was until round seven, but since we picked up a pick um, from New England with round five with 158, we were going to select their round five. Well, then that came uh, shortly around and we ended up trading with Seattle. So Seattle ends up getting our round five, 158th pick and one of our round seven picks, which is number 233. We move up to a number 100. Uh, 45 uh, in round five. So we have about 13 picks from what the Patriots gave us for one of our only round five pick. And we end up taking um, Darian Kennard, offensive tackle from Kentucky. So what are you thinking about that one, Rich?
1: So I think it's another late round offensive lineman gem that Veach took a chance on. I don't know why he dropped as much as he did Um, You know, all the pre-draft stuff you read, late one, round two, round three at the latest. Um, Good dude. Overall, you know, consistent player at Kentucky. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, he was like second or first team uh, at all SEC or whatever, something like that. Um, They're they're predominantly a a run first team, so definitely has to work on his pass block. Um, But, yeah, I mean, to get – this kind of a player in round five and Veach has constantly talked about him as a tackle, right? Not as a guard, as some people had mentioned, because he's his feet need to improve it is, um, him playing right tackle and battling there with Niang, uh, Christian, who I am really high on and, um, you know, anyone else that we have in that right tackle rotation. So, um, again, right. Yeah. It's one of those where, We took, you know, and you can do this when you're a better team, right? You can Mm -hmm. take chances on guys, put them in a winner environment, and the man is pissed. Like I don't know if you saw how much uh, I don't know if you saw the like post draft coverage of him being drafted, but he was like very short with his words. And if you watch any of the pre draft stuff, very hyped, very energetic guy. You can tell he was mad Mm -hmm. that he had gone in round five. Which you, I mean, that makes sense if you're as high of a player, um, let's say uh, on many draft boards and according to the experts, so on and so forth and you go that late, you're probably going to be upset, right? You should be. So um, there's a really cool um, video, which two of our current offensive linemen were on last year. But, you know, the offensive line masterminds with Jeff Schwartz and Duke Miniweather um, that Creed and Trey were a part of last year where you got a lot of insight about them. Um, He is on this season or so year two of that program. And so it's pretty cool because you learn a lot about him Um, his setup. And again, right, a a good person overall with a little bit of nastiness in him. I mean, like this is a guy that him and Trey Smith on the right side of that line, they could probably beat up an entire defense by themselves. So um, that's what you want out of the right side of your line when your quarterbacks are right-handed thrower. So that right side, if he ends up being that right tackle that we've been looking for, um, that's a nasty right side of the line.
0: So speaking of right tackle, I question for you. So we don't know if Lucas Niang will be available come the start of the season. Obviously, he's still coming off the uh, injury sustained last year. But what are your chances are um, that he could be that day one starter for us over Andrew Wiley? Or do you think Wiley pretty much might have it automatically just because, uh, you know, being a veteran on that spot?
1: Kennard or, or Niang?
0: Uh, Kennard, just because I think Niang probably won't. I don't, I don't see it happening. I mean, it's not, it's it's possible. Uh, They're saying that it's, you know, that timeline is kind of right around there, but I guess, I guess I guess the ultimate question I guess you'd say is who do you think ultimately probably will be that starter, at least at right tackle um, at least to start the season for a while?
1: So for me, I think Jaron Christian will be the starter at right tackle. I mean, um, you know, he was okay Mm -hmm. in Washington, okay in Houston, what I liked about him going back to his North Carolina State th- days are things that I like from right tackles, right? They're better. Lo- they're a little bit better in, in run block as to, let's say, in comparison to pass blocking. But he's not a bad pass blocker at all. So my money would be on Christian. Um, I think Wiley then gets the vet um, benefit. And he did well. He did okay there, right, in Niang's absence last year. And then, yeah, to your point, let's say Niang tore his patella tendon. So that takes a while to come back. Um, and he already kind of struggled with movement. Um, we know with the speed of the NFL in his rookie year. Um, so Cunard, I think at best could be second tackle. And then you start looking at, do you, who is backing up um, Orlando Brown on the other side, right? Is there Wiley that backs up Orlando Brown? Or do you start thinking about cutting, mm-hmm. being, you know, or putting him on the practice squad or something like that, right? Obviously. There's an injured reserve and all that stuff. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think legitimately Canard could sneak into, let's say, the second spot after Christian.
0: And he could, like you said, it could just be like Trey Smith or, um, yeah, Trey Smith, right, yeah, uh, right card, which he, we drafted him so late, and he ended up being great for us starting at right uh, right card. So it's possible that the same thing happens with Canard, and he just takes over and starts at right tackle and, you know, boom, our offensive line is pretty much settled. So we'll see what happens for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that I constantly mention is Bill Belichick did this forever in New England, right? Taking chances on guys that were really talented in college, played for a pretty good team, right? I mean, Kentucky, of course, isn't competing with Bama and Georgia, but, I mean, there are no punks in the SEC. So you can take guys that have naturally, you know, been successful where they, where they are and, um, and you put them around, uh, you put them in a good environment where they can learn things from pros that are successful and then take over. Whereas and if you go play for the Texans, you got to learn and be good on the spot because you have to start since they're so bad, you know, and sometimes right. um, that stuff sort kind of ruins careers because, yeah, you could say it's sink or swim, well, obviously, but you have that luxury of learning from people who are very successful at the moment.
0: Correct. All right, so moving into um, our last three picks of the draft, these are actually all in round seven, and I kind of just all lump these together, and we can kind of break them yeah. down and talk about uh, uh, how each one is. But I think there's one in particular you might want to talk about, but we'll just name all, all, all three of the last ones. So um, in round seven, obviously, with number 243. Uh, we took Jalen uh, Watson, cornerback from Washington State. Uh, and then round also round seven, number 251, was Isaiah Pacheco running back from uh, Rutgers. And with our last pick in the draft in round seven, number number 259 was Nazi Johnson, safety at a Marshall. So out of those three, how do you feel about those picks?
1: So I was big on Isaiah Pacheco before the draft process. I like his style. Um, You know, it's old school, right, where he runs – I keep saying violence a lot, you know, just overall, we've gotten better from a physicality perspective. But um, he's really fast for a a dude as big as he is. I mean, he is, I think, 6'1", 215. I will look this up as I am speaking. But um, his 40 time, for not mistaken, was, so he's 5'11", 216. So a little bit bigger than most running backs in current setup. And um, he just, he runs like an old school running back, right? Whereas in He runs with power. He looks to hit people. Um, He still has a juke, you know, in that – in that, I don't know, the juke stick, as we used to call it on Madden, right? Um, So you can still wiggle, but he is looking to run people over there, you know, to get that extra two to three yards there at the end of the run. He ran a 4-3-7-40, and when you watch him, um, he plays fast. Like, you know, some people run fast because they don't have pads on. This guy runs fast with pads on, with pads off. Like I said, he, he likes contact. Um, he talked about in his um, draft interview, We know, once we actually selected him, blocking, right? He prides himself on blocking. He's going to, you know, looks to be blocking for Patrick Mahomes, looks forward to blocking for Patrick Mahomes. And then the one thing is when you watch his Rutgers film, the line was pretty bad and he still did some good things there. So that to me is the one guy that I really, really like. And in a backfield with CEH, um Ronald Jones, who technically, I mean, both of those guys are on two-year or less contracts. Right. Um, and then you've got Derek Gore, who we saw what he can do. Um, Andy Reid is all about getting guys and their ability into space and doing what they do well. So um without a doubt, man, like I see this guy um you know stepping in at some point and getting some significant snaps and turning some heads.
0: Yeah, I could see that too. And obviously, you know, you mentioned he'll probably be competing with Derek Gore for that third spot. I don't know if the Chiefs will actually keep four running backs. Hopefully they can, you know, maybe stash away Gore on the practice squad because I could see, like you were saying, everything about uh, Pacheco. I could see him making the roster as the third running back just because of how talented he can be, or I could say his potential that he could be. Uh, and with especially with Edwards, Lair and Ronald Jones on their short contracts, uh, I definitely can see that that he could stick around but uh yeah I think for getting him in round seven and I know a lot of people say round seven are like throwaway picks they're just like you throw them at the yeah. wall and, and see if it sticks you know but um, this guy could potentially be end up being somebody that actually makes a team the other two guys that I mentioned the cornerback um, from Washington State Watson and um, uh, Nazi Johnson, the safety from Marshall. It's going to be a loaded secondary. Obviously, we've already drafted, um, you know, three guys before we drafted these two guys. So we drafted a total of five people in the secondary, and we, you know, we had signed Justin Reed, uh, Deion Bush. You know, we still have Juan Thornhill. So it's going to be a crowded um, uh, secondary, especially in that safety position. So those two guys might not really, you know, I, I would say they're practice squad candidates. I don't really see them actually making the team. But um, as far as those, those three here, we talked about in round seven the guy with the best potential to make the roster and even have an impact um you know not i wouldn't say day one but hopefully mid-season uh would probably be because he might even do he might even do kick returns too um uh, possibly with this speed so want to um, definitely see that so that actually wraps up at least the draft class for the chiefs they had something like a total of 10 picks um for that so moving on to the undrafted free agents that every team gets a chance to sign any player that doesn't go drafted. Uh we signed 10 players, but we're only going to talk about one and because he's a big one, right? So, um we, you know, maybe maybe in the in the coming episodes or, or or maybe towards um uh training camp or uh or such and so forth, we might actually talk about some of these other guys, but some of those guys might not even actually uh, be in training camp. One lot of these guys we signed this week that are undrafted free agents kind of were just for rookie camp for the most part. But uh, the, the most important one that we signed that definitely we think will make the team um, is Justin Ross, the wide receiver from Clemson. Uh, probably if he didn't get hurt, and I'll let you go into it more, uh, Rich, about him because I think you – I know you were excited about him. I, I think a lot, most Chiefs fans will be excited about him. But um, if he didn't get hurt, um, you know – a lot there in Clemson, then he probably would have been drafted. What first round? I think we, were, I think people are saying. Oh so, no doubt. Oh uh, no doubt. So uh, I'll let you uh, dive into um, everything you know or want to talk about on Justin Ross.
1: Yeah, so Justin Ross, high level recruit um, that Clemson snatched up a few years ago, played. Um, I think it was the national. Ch- oh no, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was the one versus Bammer or LSU. One of those two. Um, with Trevor Lawrence as a freshman. And I mean, um, just overall, his freshman year was a great year. He lived up to all the, you know, one of the best wide receiver recruits out of high school. Um, you know, tall guy that could move, catches everything, um, you know, create separation, a good route runner, technician, all of that stuff that you want in a prime wide receiver. In 2020, he had to get surgery because a, of a I can't even say this word. He had a, he had a bulging disc.
0: Fusion, right? Yeah, bulging disc, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah, in his spine. Um, So he underwent that surgery in 2020. And um, so it looks like, you know, he had the procedure on his neck, but the condition itself recommends to avoid physical contact. So obviously, playing football was, you know, kind of out of the question for him, but he decided. Hey, he was good. He was, um, you know, okay with the risks. He understood that, and at the end of the day, that's why that's why he dropped completely out of the draft. Right? Is not even a, a team. Not even a team with the seventh round pick said we'll take him. And I think that's like me personally. If he's that talented, which he without a doubt is, and even watching his freshman to his film last year, you can see a little bit of a difference. But I mean, it's 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 barely. You know, it's not that much. To warrant not even picking him, right? So um, the cool thing about for him, right, is then he gets to pick the team that he signs with, and he was a very hot commodity within um, undrafted free agency, and so he picked the Chiefs because he wanted to work with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Which again, it feels great to hear people say those things because we've always watched everyone else, right, like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick get those kind of players. So this is a low risk, high reward. Signing for the Chiefs, Um, I think even his guaranteed money was pretty decent, you know, for an undrafted Mm -hmm. free agent. So, like I said, it's a guy that, you know, I make comparisons to AJ Green, not because I'm saying that he will be like AJ Green or he has the talent of AJ Green. I mean, big body wide receiver that can create separation, has the range to catch everything thrown around him. I mean, he's made some spectacular catches that you guys can find on YouTube and all that stuff. Um, last year, Clemson's quarterback situation wasn't that good. So, um, you know, I will attribute, you know, uh, kind of similar numbers from his freshman year or not a big gain even after the surgery to their inconsistent quarterback play in offense. But um, again, right, when you get a guy um, as an undrafted free agent, the sky is the limit with what he can do. So I think, and we've already seen stuff on him, um, let's say via social media, right? There's clips of him. Running, moving, you know, moving along and stuff, um, in in all the Chiefs rookie mini camps and stuff like that. So, again, I think he's someone who, obviously, hoping that he he stays healthy, not just from a football perspective, but as a person, because if something does happen to his back, you know, it can be pretty bad. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's someone that you you know, going out to training camp events, he's gonna be a head turner, um, you know, in preseason games. And we don't have a wide receiver like him because even Juju doesn't have the speed or the wiggle that Justin Ross has. MVS is more of a deep threat than he is like an in-between, you know, twenty yards uh, receiver. And then McColl just doesn't. McColl and Sky don't have the, the height, right, and the range that he does to catch some of the things. So if he works out, man, this is going to be like the the steal of you know since Tom Brady type setup.
0: Oh, definitely. Uh, and uh prime example is Trey uh, is Trey Smith uh, last year. Took him in the sixth round, he had you know all this injury history and just things wrong with him and he comes in a sixth round and starts at right guard and he was you know probably one of the best offensive linemen last year in his rookie year. Um at least for the guard, that right guard position. Um so he's a, he's definitely that kind of situation where, it, like you just said, like basically like there's there's no real risk in, in, in you know taking him. I'm not sorry, not selecting him in the draft, but basically signing him as an undrafted uh, free agent. I uh, just you just like no risk, high reward, and um, yeah, I mean he has a he has a outside chance of making the fifty three man roster, and I say that right now, but obviously he has the whole off season to work through. You know obviously, the rookie minicamp that uh, just had to happen, And, you know, obviously, through that up until training camp starts and preseason. So I like it if I'll, – I'll say this much. If he actually, you know, doesn't really show a whole lot of, um, I guess you would say, what, like downfall or anything or actually can, can tell you improves going into – uh, preseason and even hopefully, you know, close to the regular season, I can see him making the team. Obviously, maybe the last, that last wide receiver spot there with Josh Gordon, you know, kind of there, you know, uh, with that five and six spot. But I could definitely see him making the squad uh, for sure. Uh, if not, yeah, and yeah,
1: if not, I hope he does, right? Because, like, yeah. it sucks. Like, I mean, I myself have had some back problems, obviously, nothing that bad. Um, but yeah, man, can you imagine just being like, you know, You're really good at football your whole life. You're a top high school recruit. You go to arguably the 1A, 1B hottest college football program of the last three to five years between Watson's time and Trevor Lawrence's time. Um, And then you have this crazy injury that could – sounds like it could almost kill him or paralyze him, right? Um, Right. Bounce back from that. And then now on the come up or on the good side of all that, you then get to go play for Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, this amazing offense, this constant Super Bowl contending team. Like that's awesome. You know, so that's the feel good story. So overall, right? Um, not only just for the production and, and the you know, our team to continue winning, but just an overall feel good story. And I hope it works out for the kid. Um, like I said, he's just a, a wide receiver that I genuinely enjoy watching.
0: Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, there's players that I'm kind of excited for and looking out to watch. And obviously Chanel is on the defensive side and he's the offensive guy that I'm kind of just excited to watch and see how he progresses uh, in training camp and uh, preseason as well. So uh, I definitely rooting for the kid. Like I said, I hope that, uh, you know, he just continues to prove and he ends up being a bright spot on our team and, you know, makes the roster. So I, I definitely can't wait to, uh, definitely catch him at training camp and, you know, watch, watch his talents go to work.
1: Yeah, basically. and, you know, the other thing is kind of like what I mentioned with some of the other prospects. It's He doesn't have to be good this year. Like, he may not even play a single down of, yeah. of NFL regular season, right? Mm-hmm. Keep him on the practice roster, you know, let his body get used to it. He's got to knock some, knock some rust off. I mean, he played last year, but, you know, he's had a, a very long break. Um, NFL speed and NFL power and NFL hits are different. So let him kind of get used to it, man. It could be another Jody Foreston, right, at the wide receiver position as opposed Very to time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not someone that we have to give up on this year or, I mean, again, he's an undrafted free agent. They usually don't make the rosters, even though there are more. I saw some stats somewhere that said that there are more undrafted free agents in the, in the Hall of Fame than there are first-round picks, which...
0: Surprising. The the game,
1: right? Yeah. It's like a numbers game, too, but... Um, yeah, he's one where if we see, if we just constantly see growth and he stays healthy, and let's say like a year from now, next season, 2023 season, he's a constant contributor, you know, it's a, once again a success.
0: For sure. All right, so moving on to our draft grades uh, for the overall draft class, uh, I'll just go ahead and just send it back to you and just kind of give it to you to see what you think. Uh, the Chiefs overall uh, grade is for 2022 draft class.
1: Yeah, we've talked a lot about the picks themselves, right? So now it's time to bottle it all up and give an overall grade. So I've spoken a lot about each prospect, so this will be quick and short. Um, My overall grade for and his staff this year is an A. Biggest reason is we addressed positions of need. Um, Good NFL teams can address positions of need because they have talent everywhere else, whereas in bad teams have to just get a bunch of talent. So we address positions of need, our biggest ones in our pre-draft episodes that said cornerback defensive end were our top two needs. And we address both of those in the first round. We also got some guys later on from a secondary perspective. Um, we've got some talented guys in those positions of needs that have high upside. And um, Overall, I mean, we used most of our picks, right? We didn't have to give up as many as a lot of people, you know, would think to move up to where we did. So yeah, like I said, at the end of the day, for me, it's an A-plus. Great work on moving up and down the drafts and still getting players that we think are talented at positions of need that hopefully can all contribute. Most of these guys, like out of this draft, I could see four guys being starters by the end of the year, if not definitely by the end of year two, with potentially five to six guys contributing consistently for the team for the next four years. So that's why I give him an A. A lot of the experts also have us as one of the best drafts overall. So Veach um, continues great work from last year's draft and arguably has one of his, probably has his best draft on paper as of right now in, in this draft class.
0: Yeah. And I can't argue with you. Um, I also went with an a, uh, you know, I I was debating a plus or a minus, but I think a is like just pretty much the right spot to be at. Uh, you know, Brett Veach basically hit on every single pick that he had. Uh, obviously we came into the draft with 13 picks and, you know, end up with 10, but we made the right trades at the right time as far as up and down, you know, as far as getting the players that we wanted, uh, great value at the time when we wanted to as well, as far as, um, you know, getting players that probably could have went a lot sooner than we did. Uh, my, my, but my main, I guess my main reason would be for the A is kind of the same line as kind of what you said too, as well. I thought we went heavy on the, on the defense in the draft. And I think a lot of people knew to expect that. Uh, obviously, including five of the players of the 10 picks we went were secondary, which I thought was one of the worst positions we had on this team last year. Um with you know, and I see how Brett Veach is attacking those areas. um that's now back to back years with the offensive line uh, the year before uh, or last year and then this year with the secondary, I feel like that's more of the area that we wanted to focus on attacking and getting and better on. Many could say defensive uh, line as well, which I think is probably like an you know probably like a one a one b situation. I I just felt like secondary was probably more the weakest spot we had on the team. So I felt that he addressed that. Um, Speaking of defensive line, you know, going after, um, you know, Karloftis there with the 30th pick and, uh, you know, getting him because obviously we didn't have anybody on the other side of Frank Clark because, you know, we could have, you know, might go with Mike Dana starting there, but we really just didn't know how much, you know, Melvin Ingram's coming back or anything like that. So drafting Karloftis there uh, was, which he could have went higher. Um, which I thought a great move. And, you know, even 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 though we only drafted three offensive players in the draft, I felt like they were all solid picks. Obviously, um, you know, Sky Moore, he's not going to, you know, be like your Tyree Kill player, but he's going to be consistently counterball. He, he catches with his hands. Definitely what you need with the wide receiver, so he picked well there. Um, obviously, the offensive tackle from Kentucky, um, you know, Kennard could be that right tackle we have. So he he selected well there. And then the running back, even like I said, even though it was a seventh round guy, he could be somebody that might surprise people and contribute to the team later in the year. And, you know, kind of how you were saying is, you know, as of these 10 picks, um, if you want to put 11, if you want to put Ross, you know, but I, I'm not going to include him because we're just kind of talking about the draft, but um, I can definitely see what you're saying as far as four players could probably contribute, um, you know, towards, middle to end of the year, and then, you know, maybe more than half the draft class, you know, by year two, um, you know, as well with the team. So, uh, A, across the board, excellent draft, and I – right there, I mean, I couldn't argue more. I think everything you said is basically right on par with me, but I think Veach kind of knocked out of the park with this draft, and uh, I I can't wait to see how these uh, rookies play up, uh, you know, coming into the season. So leading on to our final thoughts topic, uh, basically it's kind of on the other side of football you see, um, you know, as far as not the actual – on the playing field, but the people that actually call the game. So the big news today was that Tom Brady, after uh, he retires from football, and we say that, you know, very lightly, retiring from football because, you know, he might be still playing four more years. We don't even know. But after he retires from football, he um, signed a deal with Fox to be on their commentary team. I believe it was a 10-year, $375 million contract. I mean, this is the kind of contract you get like you're a player. This is It's just absolutely ridiculous that he gets this. Um, but I'm not saying anything bad that he doesn't you know, kind of deserve it. I think, obviously, he probably got paid a lot more than I would have expected, but I think Fox really wanted him just because they had lost Troy Aikman to ESPN and you know so and so forth. But you know, when that actually will start, we don't know. But uh I want to say um what Tony Romo got like eighteen million and now he's making like thirty seven a year or something like that. Ridiculous. So he's almost almost making like twenty more than the next commentary guy um that does football. But uh what are your thoughts on, on the on the big news today for Brady?
1: Um, you know, I think most Chiefs fans really dislike Tom Brady because of what he's done to us. But, I mean, it's competition. You can't hate a man for being, um, you know, competitor and a winner on his edge. Um, now, from, uh, you know, another man making money, man, it's like, by all means, get your money. He, um, his football IQ is through the roof. Um, he's very uh, personable and his, he's kind of funny. He's got that, like, dad funniness to him with his little social media videos on IG and all that. So I think it'll be fun. I think we'll – I don't know if uh, – so they've always done this, right, where they've gotten players, former players, be analysts.
0: Some right. are terrible,
1: like Anthony – like Booger McFarlane. <laughs> Some are great, like Tony Romo and what Drew Brees, uh, even though his first year was shaky him in his first year. But, yeah, having Tom Brady and giving that, that quarterback perspective and a very, very smart quarterback perspective, I think it will be cool for the game. Um And Fox just lost technically, right? I mean, I say lost because Mm -hmm. depending on where you are, you get certain kind of Fox analysts, um, you know, if it's not the national game. But they lost Buck and Aikman to ESPN. So having Brady, you know, kind of recover some of that prestige, and and Romo has shown us that, you know, when you have a a good quarterback, like Brian Greasy, um, you know, he wasn't a good quarterback. He was, He was like not even Tony Romo good. So – um, I think it's cool. You know, overall, like I said, um, that money that he's getting, man, that's nice. I'm sure his wife is still like, man, this dude can't let go of football. But, yeah, I mean, that's just what it is. So, by all means, Brady, get your money. Um, it'll be cool to listen to him, I'm sure, um, because I think he's professional enough to be – he's going to want to be the best analyst out there, right? So, he'll yeah. take some of that bias out that sometimes people don't like about analysts and just give you straight, you know, good football commenting.
0: So do you? So quick question. So now that you know Brady has gone that route, you've seen the Mannings last year, right? They have that little sidecast had on ESPN. Uh, you know Drew Brees has done it a little bit. What are your thoughts about maybe uh, a Big Ben? You know, maybe he might get the call to do that. Do you think someone like him will do that?
1: I don't think so. I think Big ben, ben is going to just live life mm-hmm. after football and just chill and enjoy all the money
0: he made. I know there. I know there's one person that won't do it, and it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's well, he's one of those guys that just likes to just like not have anybody around, you know, or not be kind of like in the public. I think I, once he retires, like he's going to probably be like probably start going hunting and you know, like live in the mountains or something. Because I, I just don't see him, um, you know, wanting to get back into football. At least in that way, I I couldn't see him doing it.
1: When and he likes being like the villain or like sharing controversial things. Um, you know, obviously with all his with this whole COVID stuff. So and that's not what people on TV want. You know, they don't like he's not funny like Shaq and Chuck and Jimmy right. Smith. Um, you want people that are going to give you good gems when you're listening to football. And yeah, like you said, Aaron Rodgers probably has way more interest in doing other things. So um
0: And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you know, yeah, some yeah. some people like doing, you know, like like Tom Brady is through and through football. I mean regardless, you hate the guy, I like the guy, you know, we go through this so many times, you know, talking about it, but it's just like he is through and through what football is. I mean, he loves football to death. So, um, you know, I'm happy to see that, uh, you know, he's going to continue with football after his uh, days playing is over with. It's going to suck to hear his name all the time. I mean, you, you'll hear his name for the rest of your life, you know. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think at least as far as, you know the person and everything he is like he is football. I mean, he pretty much is so, and the greatest court and the greatest quarterback, greatest player in NFL history. So um, it's just going to be interesting to continue to see him after he's not playing anymore. So
1: exactly, yeah. I mean, and making thirty seven million dollars a year.
0: Whew. Yeah, no joke. Hey, I, w- I wish we could be making that kind of money just doing commentary. That'd be kind right? of sweet. So.
1: I talk all damn day.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. All right, so with that, that will actually conclude our episode today of the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. Check back with us in the coming days as the NFL schedule will be released on Thursday, which is two days from now. Uh, So we'll either have our, I guess you say our discussion on the Chiefs' schedule for this upcoming year, either later um, after that, or possibly probably the next day um, after to um, discuss what we think on that. So very excited to look forward to that. Obviously, we do know. There is one game on the schedule that they've already announced, which is a Thursday night football game um, at Arrowhead against the Los Angeles Chargers. I believe it's week two. Um, I'm so, Yeah, so uh, we're thinking – or at least thinking that the first week, at least week one, will probably be on the road um, for that. So we'll have to see about um, that complete schedule. But definitely looking forward to that so I can start making my travel arrangements for some of these away games. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you, Rich. If, if, what games you might be planning on going to see this year? But uh, definitely look to see a couple of go, a couple of away games hopefully this year.
1: Yeah, I'd love to have a family member in Arizona, so that'd be kind of a cool game to go watch.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think Arizona and San Francisco would be two of the ones interesting. But I guess it all just depends on the time of the year and all that that takes place. So yeah, I definitely um,
1: want to go to Arizona in like week <laughs> one when it's like 120 degrees there.
0: Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. All right, so yeah, so check back with us in the coming days for that. Uh, Thanks again for everyone listening today. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs!